Awesome. Um, so <clears throat> he talked about the steps to be able to reach those around you, your OIKOS. Does anyone remember what OIKOS stands for, if you guys recall? I actually want you to speak. I know it's, it's a scary, scary, scary name. So who, who remembers what OIKOS means? Household. Household. It's the people that are literally right around you all day, every day. Um, and what I heard from Tom's message, at least in reference to the list, is that he wants us to sit down to take a moment to redefine our focus, to take a moment to truly understand what God is guiding us to, to take a moment to really focus on the Lord and to sit down and take a beat from life. And so I wanted to share a scripture. It's in Luke chapter 11 and verse, uh, verse 33, and we're gonna go to 35 and 36, and it says, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that, so that those who enter may see the light. Therefore be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. And the reason I, I share this scripture is because as I thought about um, the list, as I thought about this whole redefi redefining your focus, I thought of a flashlight. We all know what a flashlight is, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought of a flashlight. And so you know how you shine your flashlight? The flashlight is made up of a, a variety of different components, but one of the most important things in there is called a reflector. And in order to, to define what the light is gonna do, this reflector, it literally focuses all of the light into one concentrated area. Without that reflector, the light is spread out and is spread thin and it literally does nothing. It is absolutely useless. And so what I wanna call us to do is to be a light with a reflector. And I feel, and, and it, it may be a little overstepping for me to say this, but I feel like some of us, and me included, have not been that. We have been a dispersed light trying to change the world as a whole, when in reality, all we needed to do was change our world. All we needed to do was reach those that are immediately around us. If I were to ask you how many people you ran into on a daily basis, your answer would probably be pretty high. You, I don't think that you just run into one person on a daily basis. I know we all have jobs where there's at least a, another like 10, 15 people around you. We all go to the grocery store. We all go to the gas station. And we're, we're people, we're creatures of habit, right? We're people who like to do the same things. And so our oikos is exactly that. The people that we run into on a daily basis. It's not reaching out out of, in, the, in the blue in some random unknown area. It's being able to reach out to the people that you've known for years. The people that you've worked with for years. People that are really, really right next to you. But we never took a chance and said, hey, so I do this whole thing with God. What do you think about that? And so I want to call us to redefine our focus, to be like the flashlight with a reflector and see where we're guided to by God. And so I want to ask you guys a rhetorical question. How effective and focused are you today? 
In this current moment, can you say that you have a defined focus with the people around you? Or would you say, no, I don't. And I want to call you to humility. To humility around reflecting in your life. Because that's a difficult thing, am I right? Yeah. Or if you're not prideful, go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, hold on, I'm not. <laughs> um, I know each and every one of us struggle with the, the ability to lay down our pride and say, no, this is a reality of my circumstance. I am not focused. I am not really putting forward the mission that God gave me. And so I want to call us to a redefinition, to a redefinition of who we are. And to expand a little even further is our world today, as we all know, as everyone, basically everyone in here has, we all have a cell phone, right? This guy right here, this puppy has my entire life. If I don't have this, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I literally don't know what I will do tomorrow. I open my calendar first thing in the morning and I'm like, what does my day look like today? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna live? I schedule times with people because otherwise I will literally forget about them. Not intentionally, but because I am forgetful and I need something to keep me on track. And that's what my phone does. It keeps me connected to everyone. And so we live in a tech world. We live in a world that is so fast and always ongoing. Google is at your fingertips and you can literally learn whatever you want. You can do whatever you want and you can move wherever you want. You can see what Australia looks like at this current moment. You can see anything, but I wonder how often you just take a second to slow down and to sit down and instead put the technology away and see where are you today? The list is a challenge for us to focus and to sit down and understand with the people that surround us. And I did a little bit of research on what writing does and how that kind of expands our focuses. And what I found is there's uh, these two people, there's two psychologists, their names are Pam A. Mueller, Pam, uh, Pam A. Mueller, um, that went to Princeton, and Daniel M. Oppenheimer of uh, UCLA. Oppenheimer. Yeah, that's a, a familiar name. We'll go into that later if you want. Um, <laughs> Oppenheimer, and they performed three studies on, on a, a, a large group of students. And what they did is they had a part of the students did, took all their notes in a classroom on their laptop. They literally just did the whole thing. And if you go to USC, UCLA, that's what you see everywhere. You go to Park College and Ventura College, that's literally what you see everywhere. Everyone's just type, type, type away. I know I've done that many, many a times. That's how I take notes too. But then they also split the group and had everyone else write everything down and take notes for what the professor was saying. And what they found was that our brain moves incredibly quickly and it understands everything and it'll get it all down and you'll be able to write it all down verbatim and you'll be like, oh, this is a beautiful set of notes. It'll look gorgeous. It's like Mona Lisa on your, on your laptop right there. It'll be amazing. But the reality is that you'll walk away knowing nothing. Because the people that took notes on their laptops failed the, the next exams and tests. Because they couldn't retain the information. Because what happens when you literally write things down is your brain is processing the information that is given to you and putting it into your own words. You're putting it into your perspective. And what's more important for your life than your perspective? 
Because me telling you what to do is literally going to do nothing for you, right? I literally can't tell you anything because I don't walk with you. I don't do everyday life with you. I don't know how you do things, but you do. And so we have to sit down and stew in our thoughts to understand who's around me. Who is God guiding me to today? Who is God calling me to talk to? Who are my 8 to 15? And I want to share a scripture in Proverbs chapter 2. And this is the scripture that I thought of. It says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you have a thirst for the knowledge of God? Do you thirst for what God is trying to say in your life? Is that something you really want and desire? Because if it is, you need to sit down, slow down, and redefine your focus. Because otherwise you will lose it. And like Logan was saying, you will pass it right by because you're looking at your two feet as you're walking forward and you miss where God was calling you to go. You miss the people that God was calling you to, the people that could have been impacted by you. You know, for for me myself, um, I see the Oikos within my family. Uh, for those of you don't that you uh, for those of you you that do not know, I um, I was baptized in uh, October 10th of 2010. Um, I was about 17 years old then, and before me, my sister got baptized, and so she came out to church and she changed from Catholicism because that's what I came from. I came from a heavily Catholic um, background. It was the, the 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 change where my sister decided to leave that we basically disowned her and said, hey, you're not my sister anymore. I, I told her that. I said, you're not a part of our family. I don't want to talk to you. And she'd reach out and reach out. And I'd be like, no, who do you think you are trying to change our lives and change the tradition and change everything that I've done? I was judgmental. I was, I was very, very lost. And so for the next about two or three years, my sister put in a lot of work into loving me and my mom. My sister was prayerful, She sat down and she defined her focus, her goal, and she had prayed for this for about two to three years, that I would become a disciple because she knew that I could affect my mom and my mom could become a disciple and become a, a Christian who loves the Lord. And so it happened. Because of her consistency, because of her knowing what the focus is, because she was like a reflector in a flashlight and she was beaming of I know what I want, things happened. And I am here, standing here today as a Christian for eight years, going on nine years today, able to proudly say that God has changed my life dramatically. I went from a man that should be addicted addicted to drugs and an alcoholic to a man now that doesn't do any of that. I was a man that I, I would party almost every day and I would drive completely drunk with other people in my life, in my car, and they pushed me to do it. And we all should have been dead, gone, done. But the reality is that we're not. We're here. I'm here. And it's all because of God and my sister's focus. God can change incredible things. But if we're not focused, how can he use you?
if we're not really beaming, how can he use you? How can he change the people around you? So I want to share a scripture um, in John chapter 1, verse 40. This is uh, kind of, it got me thinking because the second part that I want to talk about is how intentional Jesus was. He is a very intentional person. He wasn't a man who was like aimlessly walking and like, oh look, a person that can use my love. Um, he, he had intention behind his, his thoughts, you know. Um, and so John chapter 1, verse 40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and we, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And as we know, and if you don't know, now you know, um, Peter is literally the rock of the church. He's the, the one that led the charge and said, I'm going to do this. We're all going to change the world because I'm going to start off with a first sermon after Jesus died. And so Peter is that guy. And he would have never been reached had it not been for Andrew. If Andrew didn't define his focus, if he wasn't going after it, he never would have been reached. Peter could have never touched so many people. Peter could have done nothing and been completely lost. But instead, he grew to be one of the most pivotal people for our church today. We, are, a lot of us are here because of what the pioneers did for us. And that started with Peter, Paul, and the apostles. And it worked beginning with Andrew. Can you imagine that? Imagine being able to say, I, I reached out to that guy. That, that guy right there, the one that's leading the charge, the one that's doing all those amazing things. Yeah, God used me. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine that? The person that's just changing lives all left and right. It doesn't have to be you, but God can use you. You are a tool. You are chosen. You are loved. And you are wanted to be used. But we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision to be intentional, to change our perspective and be intentional with our time. How many times have you guys spent time with the people around you without intention? I know I have. I've done that often, actually. I'll go out and I'll just hang out with my friends and like my coworkers right now. They are trying to set up a time for us to celebrate one of my other coworkers' birthday. And initially, I was like, ooh, this will be fun. It'll just be a good time. But then I started doing this lesson and I was like, oh, Maybe I should be intentional with that time. Maybe I should use that time and maybe talk to them a little bit about God. Talk to them about, oh, hey, what's your background with that stuff? What do you believe in? Where do you stand? How do you feel about God? And so I started doing that with another coworker. And I'm going to be honest, he's a, he was a difficult person for a long time because in my perspective, he was a very lazy person. He was a, a, a person that I felt like did not want to be there, did not want to work, and anything I said just fell on deaf ears. And so it was hard because I didn't want to reach out to him. I didn't want to go like, hey, you should come out to our event. I want to be like, nope, not going to reach out to you. You're never going to come. <laughs> and I wanted to walk away. I was like, nope, mm, close that door, shut that book, that's over. But instead, I decided to reach out. And it was all because of God. I, I, I will never claim any credit. But then he came out to an event, and he loved it. And then afterwards, he was like, hey, can you invite me to every event that you guys have? 
Can you start telling me when you guys are doing stuff? Because that was, that was really cool. I've never seen any people have fun without drugs and drinking. I've never been a part of that kind of situation or people that didn't judge me for being who I wanted to be. And I was like, well, go figure. <laughs> I didn't know this was gonna happen. But God put it on me. I, I just let God guide it and there, there it landed. And now I have a new friend. I have a new guy that I can, I can love the way Jesus loved, the way Jesus loved Zacchaeus. And that's where Luke 19 talks about in verse five. When Jesus reached the spot, because he was walking through and he was coming through a city, when we just, Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. No one liked Zacchaeus. There wasn't one human on the face of that planet that liked Zacchaeus. He was a very hated man because he was a tax collector. Do you guys know what a tax collector did in that time? He stole money. He literally went to people's houses and said, hey, this is what, the, what they're asking for, and now this is also for me, so give it to me or else they'll come and kill you. And so with good reason, no one liked him. But yet Jesus was intentional. He wanted to stay at the most hated man's house now, for me, that raises a big, why? Why would you stay at the guy that everyone hates? Go to the other guy that everyone likes. He'll have more impact. He'll do great things. Why go to that guy? He has no value for anything. But again, I'm human. I'm man. I'm not intentional the way Jesus is. Because Jesus had the intention to change people. And so at the end of that, this little verse, it says that him that Zacchaeus and his whole house would receive salvation on that day. It was because Jesus was intentional that he was able to see, wow, Zacchaeus has a world of his own. He has an eight to 15 that he's wanting to reach out to, but doesn't know how. He's wanting to change, but doesn't know how. And so Jesus helps him and says, hey, I got you, don't worry. We're here together. We can do something amazing. We can change the world together. The world is a big place, and we need those around us to go with it. <clears throat> I, I want to share one last scripture uh, before uh, I wrap it up, and it's in Romans chapter 13. It's Romans 13, 14. And I absolutely adore this scripture. Because uh, it's short, sweet, and to the point. And it says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Our flesh is a powerful temptation. When a man comes to you and socks you in the face, as another man, you want to sock him back. That's the honest truth. Am I right or am I wrong? You're right. Yes. And for a woman, if, a wo if another woman came and started just insulting you out of nowhere, what would you want to do? Exactly. I know. It's not fun. When people hurt you, you want to hurt them. 
because we are vengeful beings. That's our nature. But God is calling us to something higher. God is calling us to redefine our focus. Because if we don't redefine, we're lost. We're, We're a dispersed light that has literally no use. And the scriptures constantly talk about how the useless will be tossed away and burned. That's the honest truth. And that can be scary for me. That's hard. Hard pill to swallow. But that's the reality. And so I want to challenge us today. I want to call us to a whole new focus. To focus on the the, the few but mighty that are around us. And call us to sit down, slow down, and make a list. That's my uh, sermon for today. We're going to have the worship team here.